In a world where the hegemonic system of power is defined by the degree of consent it obtains from the popular masses it dominates, and a consequent reduction in the scale of coercion needed to repress them. One bear and one lady will forcefully dominate your ears and your heart. It's Knackers and the Vag. Comrades and indeed siblings, permit me one indulgence or indeed permit me years of indulgence for as long as we record. Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, Vag, Vag. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Helen Razor. Razor with an E, not with an O. I mean, not that I give a shit. But, um, you know, I do give a shit if you're going to give me money. This is the indulgence. Hello to Dylan that I just saw at the fruit shop. He said, he announced to me he was a big fan of Knackers and Madge. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's clearly a devoted listener. No, hello, Dylan. You were a very, very nice person. And quite thrilled to find at this rather spiteful juncture in world history uh, that we were going to talk about WikiLeaks. Now, here is FlickyLeaks, FlickRuby, a mate of mine, as it happens, uh, probably because I started bothering her for for uh, primary sourced WikiLeaks information. You're a, you're, a, you're a WikiLeaks, aren't you? I am a good friend of WikiLeaks people and a big supporter, yes. Here is the bear. Thank you. He is a commodity. So good to meet you, Knackers. It's been a while. I've been listening to you and now we finally meet. And uh, you know what to do with Knackers? I wave Knackers around when you're not letting me get a word in. Is exactly, that right? Exactly. Because right. this is my want. This is my mode. This is my <laughs> habit. I'm very unpleasant. Like Western powers. <clears throat> hey, did you like that segue? How would we describe what WikiLeaks has done broadly over the last 10 years? What sorts of power does does WikiLeaks publish on? WikiLeaks opens up secret spaces, uh, undemocratic places where arbitrary power, um, where lawless places, where standardless places have existed in some gay abandon um, and interrupts the silence, interrupts the secrecy by ripping it open. And WikiLeaks publishes only what it is given by brave whistleblowers. So every single release on so many different issues, countries, movements, problems, is a person trusting WikiLeaks, trusting this platform to shine light on a dark place. WikiLeaks first became known internationally. I remember a bloke at not at the fruit shop, but at Woolies made a joke to me at the at the at the checkout about WikiLeaks. This is shortly after the release of the collateral murder video in 2010, along with some other files. As I'm sure you have encountered Flick, I have, we're speaking to Flick Ruby, by the way, here on Knackers in the Badge. You can follow her on Twitter at Flick Rubicon, the river that she crossed. It's a river, isn't it? Rubicon? It is. It's a, a river. mythological river. Yes. Yes. Um, is it somewhat like the sticks? Yeah, well, I, I, I should know more about it because I do use it in my Twitter handle. But actually, Helen, while that turning point in 2010 with the release of the collateral murder video on the 5th of April um, 2010 was a big deal and it was a an entree for many people, WikiLeaks actually started in... 2006. 
yeah, 2006. And there was quite a lot of releases before that. UN reports, Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, Chalk River Reactor, disasters, the looting of Kenya under President Moy, um, lots about Somalia. That was the first release was uh, inside Somalia and um, the Islamic courts there. Lots of stuff about US military analysis of seaports, Belgium land tax register anonymizations, Schengen visa disasters, intelligence from German um, intelligence on Kosovo. So they'd been going a while. I understand. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing, though, the breadth of, of smaller releases, but that, yes, was the big kaboom onto the international stage. What I want to talk to is my – I have no attachment to WikiLeaks. I just report on what I perceive to be the truth, which mm-hmm. is that WikiLeaks is regarded – well, Pompeo said it – as a hostile intelligence service. Mm which is the opposite of what it is. It's a publisher. Let's stop using the word journalist uh, as much as I believe what WikiLeaks does is journalism. I mean, for fuck's sake, people, infographics are considered journalism now. Mm. You might consider what BuzzFeed does um, in terms of its listicles journalism. The, The shape of journalism has changed. It's no longer an argument I care to have. Uh, there are people um, that argue with me on social media or uh, face-to-face uh, or indeed by email. Often they're employed by think tanks such as the Australian Strategic Policy Institute. Hi, guys. Um, but look, if journalist outfits are awarding you know, WikiLeaks awards because of their journalism, yeah. I think it's safe to say, yeah. Look, if the Walkleys have given WikiLeaks an award for outstanding journalism, then it's probably safe to use the word journalism. But, yeah, you may wish yeah. to withdraw from that. But I, I think I'm going to stick to it. But sure. they're definitely a publisher. Uh, sure. I, I, I tend to just use the term publish now mm. because mm. I find that it gives um, a, a certain clique of people the opportunity to say, it's not journalism, yeah, yeah. it's just dumping information. Yeah, true. Um, well, it's not dumping information. It's curated information. Uh, there's so much to talk about. I'm sorry. Steady on, Razor. Steady on. It's curated, but it's also, it, it sort of trusts the idea of the archive and that we can't actually know only through selected edited versions of an archive. You need to have the opportunity to look at the archive and and, and WikiLeaks democratises the eyes on the archive so that all lawyers and police and journalists and activists can look at the whole as opposed to staining it their role to choose, pick and choose what bits we're allowed to see. And so I think it's that kind of, yeah, that, there's, a, there's, a, there's a difference there in, in the way they curate, I'd say. It's so difficult to talk about the entity, the publisher, WikiLeaks, without talking to the objections that, mm. that people have to it. Right. So I'm going to start with one. Uh, and that is that uh, Julian Assange, who is seen as indistinct from WikiLeaks, which is not altogether unreasonable. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has um, done a, a great deal of the work. That Julian Assange used Chelsea Manning. Uh, that Julian Assange um, put uh, uh, Lamo in touch with Chelsea Manning. This is a very wide really? misconception. Wow. I can't find any evidence of that myself on the internet, but um, nonetheless, it's uh, a very stubborn myth. Look, I'm going to be uh, mm. honest with you. you. You and I have known each other, what, for about four years now? Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I'm not a contrarian, but I have a contrary nature. Mm-hmm. And when uh, the collateral murder video was released, there were plenty of people cheering on WikiLeaks mm-hmm. and um, treating uh, Julian Assange as, um, well, you know, as he should be treated, um, as um, a, a revered journalist or publisher 
including courageous the yeah, yeah the Walkley uh, people, which mm. is my union, the MEAA, mm. and they've taken it Had down. A change of heart, haven't they? They've mm. taken it down. Mm. Um, I've I mentioned this. I go to I've, some very nice people in the MEAA, some very good comrades, but uh, yeah, the MEAA has no interest. Um, in WikiLeaks or Julian Assange now, and they've actually doubt, taken down the record of the award. Someone got to them. I wonder who. Oh, or well, how. look, everybody, what? you know, it's not so much people getting to you. You know, it's it's a case of, well, Glenn Greenwald from The Intercept um, chronicles this well, and uh, Flick was actually the person that organised me uh, to talk to Glenn Greenwald. So, you know, uh, when Glenn came out to Australia last year, so thank you very much for that. You see, this is one of the many reasons I venerate her. And, and Greenwald talks about, you know, the economic circumstances that one finds oneself in. There are certain things, if you're a journalist, um, about which you should agree in order to get work. Now, my income, and I'm not complaining, that's fine, I'm used to being an asshole. but since in the last three to four years where I've become sort of fairly unbound in my attachment to WikiLeaks, um, my will to counter the message that the real reason that the least popular presidential candidate in history became the president of the USA is due to the economic uh, 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 conditions and the anomie, the everyday anomie of everyday people in the US. It has fucking nothing to do with Russia. So that idea um, and the notion, uh, you know, a failure to support Hillary Clinton uh, and by extension support for Julian Assange, these things lose you work is what I'm saying. Yeah. And Greenwald is in an enviable and um, a, a fortuitous position. Mm-hmm. Where he works. Blessed by a billionaire. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's funded and paid well. Um, but the rest of us are, are not. So if you disagree mm. as a media person, you can say goodbye to a lot of work, which is one of the reasons that I'm sort of, you know, tentatively attempting self-funding now. There are still people who want to read that sort of stuff mm. or hear that sort of stuff. But you you know, you work for Fairfax, The Guardian, The Guardian in particular. Mm. And that's who got to the MEAA. No one gets to you. You just hear the same thing. Um, you, you yeah, well, the misinformation campaign, the deliberate and mischievous calculated efforts to sandpaper away any truth or any, yeah, ability to think or, or to be curious about WikiLeaks has been removed by this incredible smear campaign that in a way doesn't really matter what's true anymore. You know, the other day The Guardian published something on the front page, as you know, that was a total lie, but it went viral. It's been picked up all that over the met, place. That he'd, met, that he'd met with Paul Manafort, yeah. And there's and no record. I, Manafort It did not has... occur. It did not occur. And Fairness no, and Accuracy and Reporting didn't. did a very good piece on it. I don't know if you saw the fair piece. Yeah, um, uh, Fair did a great piece. Consortium News did a great piece. Right, yeah, to just say look at how... Um, incredibly driven the Guardian has been to to do something quite quite damaging indeed to a person who's facing all kinds of legal trouble and to 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 publish something well that was just the trajectory that the yeah. Guardian's been traveling in for a long time and it doesn't matter anymore what's true about Julian just pile on well you know that's maybe beginning to change a little bit given that the you know the prosecution that he faces for publishing will capture other publishers 
and people are noticing that. So we have now these, you know, sentences full of commas and qualifiers before they can say anything nice about him. Even though you think Julian might be a this, 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 that and the other, he still has human rights. Like, okay, if that's the only yes, way I you can come even, at it. Um, even, yeah, Elizabeth Farrelly, yes. a fairly uneven columnist mm. um, here in Australia. Right. Uh, did, I said, even though I want to cut off both my legs and, you know, die in a ditch before saying it, I think that we have to support Julian. It's like, okay, if that's the only terms that you can come around to to it, okay, that's where we are now. And it's a pretty I, yeah. sad place, but it's actually where we are now. I've got to say, and I've spoken with you about these, I always thought, I mean, look, I, I've had very limited contact with Assange. I don't know him. I couldn't claim to know him, but I feel a certain kinship with him because he's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's um, an unacceptably pale Australian. <laughs> As are you. Yeah. And, you know, he's very indoorsy, you know, <laughs> as am I. Um, and yeah, lives a, um, you know, I, so I feel a certain kinship with him, just, you know, a very, very pale person who shouldn't go out in the sun, mm. um, transplanted to this hot uh, island continent, the territory we refer to as Australia. And, you know, um, there was always that potential, you know, that Julian Assange is a weirdo because he is a weirdo and that he is a weirdo. Come on, I'm a weirdo. You're a weirdo. It's fine to be a weirdo. We're not everyday people. We're bonkers. Well, this is what I remember in the Risk film, there's a moment that's, you know, in that film that was once very good, but the editing of the last session, that last version of it is appalling. But um, he does say to Lady Gaga, I'm not normal. (laughs) You know, like, stop asking me normal questions. I'm not normal. And it doesn't matter how I feel or what I think, you know, this is what's happening in the world. And let's talk about that. Yeah. So he has a, he's a serious man with a big project. And um, you don't often get to see his more playful side and his more kind of, I don't know, quintessentially Australian side um, when he appears on the, on the media. Um, but he, he is not such a weirdo, you know. Like he's, he's pretty funny and pretty easily tickled and quite personable and um, not as weird as, as yeah, he's sure. been made out, you know. Sure. Um, but, I mean, you know, I don't mind uh, that there are some people you know, some liberals go on the old Voltaire, you know, I'll defend to the death. I know, I know, thank you. You can email me and correct me, Helen at badhostess.com. I know Voltaire didn't say that, but who's going to read Voltaire, boring anti-Semite? It was his biographer that said that. Mm -hmm. But I'll defend, um, uh, you know, I may may not approve of Mm -hmm. what you say, but I'll defend to the death. And so these these liberals, these progressive liberals Mm -hmm. who, you know, sort of live and die by that statement, Mm -hmm. if they say that, that's okay for me. fine. Because yeah. I, uh, you know, I've spoken with you and we've spoken before about, you know, how do we talk about Julian Assange and, and WikiLeaks to a broad audience? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make people care? You know, frankly, when there's so much else to care about. Right. And, you know, I never thought, I mean, I'm not a sympathetic character. You know, people don't like me. Uh, you, you know, there's occasional persons like They adore yourself. you or they hate you? No, I mean, Is that what you're saying? You, you know, I just, I mean, I don't think people feel very warm toward me because I have a, an unusual mode of expression and I look a bit funny and, you know, I've always been a bit of a, you know, a con, con, contrary. Yeah. Uh, so, and he's this, you know, I mean, not that I've done anything that significant, but, you know, you know popularising, I, I think of myself trying to be popularised, it just wouldn't happen. 
And I don't think with Julian Assange it would happen either. And, you know, you and I have spoken about that before. What is the best way to talk about this man, this man who is in detention, Mm. this man that the UN Mm -hmm. special rapporteur is still saying release him, Mm -hmm. you know, all you fucking liberals, Mm. you know, like the the United Nations made a decision not once but twice. Mm -hmm. And this week I see in headlines is now urging the UK to allow Assange to safely leave the Ecuadorian embassy where he's lived in, in a small sunless room for more than six years Mm -hmm. and you know there's just no point now and so if people have to say oh well I don't like him but Mm -hmm. that's fine with me that's where we're at we're at a very dangerous point a very dangerous juncture right now so if that's the only terms that they can come out and state that bleeding obvious fine However, um, yes, the way to talk about the achievements of WikiLeaks and the significance of WikiLeaks is difficult. There's this wonderful new book that's come out called The Art of Protest and a Frenchman called, we call him Jeffrey Lasagna, um, he talks about the ways in which, you know, social movement theories, you know, talk about this idea of repertoires of contention, yeah, re- right? Yeah, yeah. So, and so, yeah, this, and so, which is and a really WikiLeaks nice concept. has broken yeah. that. So explain repertoires of contention? Mm-hmm. Well, repertoires of contention um, come up in the theories of um, two US American theorists, Taro and Tilly, and they have developed this idea that there is a kind of a pattern or a waltz or a kind of a list of ways in which groups of people come together and protest about something um, or formulate their movement tactics and strategies, whereby um, a certain kind of repetition and you know, uh, following of patterns, a kind of, it's not a limitation, but it's a limitation of imagination in a way. Um, but it's also a decision about how is the best way to, to get re, you know, results. Um, and what this, this theorist, Jeffrey Lasagna has sort of developed is saying Manning, Assange and, and uh, Snowden have, have kind of broken through the boundaries of what would normally be considered whistleblowing, uh, anti-censorship efforts and media by combining the sc- a scale of, of government um, and, and, and corporate documents and revealing them and deploying the internet and journalism mm. in completely different combinations. And so he says, you know, usually when things come along, we can fit them into the frame of the repertoire of what we're used to and what we see as legitimate or normalised or um, the pattern of 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 behaviours or resistance and that actually what they've done is blown that out completely, making it much more difficult for us to categorise, understand Mm. and see the difference in what they've produced and how they've shone light onto places of arbitrary power and, you know, undemocratic places, lawless places. You know, know, the the sovereign state is defined by territory and the, you know, the the ability to, to, you know, monopolise the use of force. But that's also a definition, as Judith Butler goes on about, to define lawless places, places where the law does not apply to the state. And so what WikiLeaks, Manning and Snowden have really done is shone light on that fact. Julian talks sometimes about the ways in which the day before Snowden's revelations, we thought we were in a particular kind of world. And the next day, we were in a different world. Like the nature of information actually changes our reality, our ability to perceive the institutions and and our reality um, now, we, you know, the next day we understood the NSA to be something very present in our lives and corporations to be manipulating and participating with think, the NSA you, in particular think, ways. I mean, the, the, that changes things. The, the reaction. Changes power. Yeah. The, the reaction, though, that I heard from a lot of people was, well, of course they do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that you talk about lawless places and if you do look at what we've learned to call suck-up economics – 
and you do look at the financial uh, centres of the world, if you if you look at Wall Street and and the emerging financial centre of of Silicon Valley, you could say that they're lawless. But I mean, a lot of the crimes in the world are actually completely legal. Mm-hmm say how banks produce money and how banks enhance our everyday debt. You but know. you can have the idea of that, but then when you have the evidence of it, it's a very different thing. So if you can have verifiable <laughs> evidence of the details of how yeah. they're doing that, then it's it's not just a, a theory or an idea or a suspicion, it's an occurrence that you can nail down. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, I utterly... Um, you know, I'm, I'm completely bowled over by seeing some of the, the revelations of WikiLeaks. I mean, for me, you know, it's sort of take your pick. But for me, uh, the, the two uh, sets of, um, of, of uh, files that I was in recent years entranced by was one, the Podesta files, mm-hmm. and uh, two, uh, the two uh, sets of releases, I think, on Haiti. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Haiti has a fairly fascinating history. Mm. It's a community or it's a, it's a nation purportedly of, of free men. It's slaves that liberated themselves. And since that liberation in 1805, the US has been doing all in its power that it can to keep Haiti immiserated right up until the present. So these were intriguing to me, you know, just to actually see the evidence. Mm. But, you know, I think... I don't think that's the apprehension of 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 everyday of most everyday people. Most everyday people I I know came very quickly to accept surveillance. A friend of mine was saying when I was grizzling uh, about the company Uber and mm-hmm. its multiple infractions. By the way, comrades, don't feel guilty if you use it. You're just a worker. Do what you can afford. That she was very glad that Uber had surveillance on her. You know, there was a a news story about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. about how Uber kept an eye on you for, you know, half an hour before I haven't got the information in front of me and half, you know, half an hour after okay. you, you, you make, um, so, you know, Uber can. So that they know that you, you were delivered and you weren't killed by the, the um, driver. Well, this is mm-hmm. her view, mm-hmm. you know, that she was very comfortable with Uber knowing mm-hmm. and I'm not comfortable with Uber knowing. If I want to use a uh, smartphone technology to alert somebody, I'll select who that person is. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want a, you know, $70 billion company knowing knowing where I am at all times. But your times. point is about um, the acceptance of surveillance. The, it, it happened very, very quickly. And mm. I, I did hear so many people say, Oh, well, you know, I mean, of course they're looking out for us and some people are actually very grateful Mm -hmm. and there is a huge, you know, like we're in a post-cynical age about law and you hear a lot of these arguments about Assange. Well, he wouldn't be detained and he wouldn't have a warrant out for his arrest if he hadn't done anything wrong. And I see with a lot of left-wing movements that Mm -hmm. this is the case. Now, I say, you know, for all the good that a move a moment like me too, and I, I don't believe it's a movement yet because nothing has happened. The only significant moment in the West, I, I don't know about India, I know that there's a lot of uh, women doing things there, but the only significant um, movement was the, um, the the Committee for 15, which was a group of women who said that they were McDonald's employees and they, walk, they walked out and said, I'm not on the menu. None of them disclosed their personal hmm. stories of, of hurt or anything like that, but they turned it into a union issue. 
Nice. No, they turned it into an issue of work. One of the best reports about it and the earliest report is actually on Teen Vogue, hmm. which is a, a publication that continues to surprise me. Yeah. And, you, you, you know, so... No, but let me let me just come in here because I think what you're saying is quite interesting and it's about um, acceptance or resistance to surveillance and, and there is a lot of seeming sort of puddle depth, you know, don't if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear kind of statements and, oh, I don't care. But this guy called Gary Marks I've been reading lately and I thought you, I brought Gary Marks up because I thought you might like his name. Yeah. Um, but he has described quite eloquently the surveillance acceptance and resistance continuum and he talks about these four different types, true conformist, intimidated, true rebel and closet rebels. And these are ways of describing, you know, people who are attitudinally rejecting but their behaviour accepts surveillance. And I think it's really important to remember um, that we've really had hard facts about how much surveillance there is since 2013, mm. okay? So we are, in in terms of our awareness of true surveillance, five. The internet is 25, social media is a teenager and boy doesn't it show, and the five eyes, the surveillance mechanism, is a 72-year-old white man with unlimited budget and it's been going on for 72 years. Mm. So it's okay that we're bouncing athletically between really not coping, being quite spooked out, having anger and, and resistance and, and, and indignation about it and at the same, and then retreating back to fear. And I think that it's because we're five-year-olds in terms of our coping mechanisms. Certainly, that's and, one view. And I think that that's... Um, I see, though, a real... And, you know, things can change overnight, mm. you know. Um, uh, uh, sometimes for decades nothing happens. Two million people came off Facebook recently, you know. Um, people sure. are getting away from Gmail and S Google. People are, people are getting suspicious. Yeah, sometimes it's, for decades nothing happens and right. sometimes decades happen in days. Yeah. You know, the, the, this this occurs. But I see a real doubling down mm -hmm. among the, the media class or people who are identified with the powerful class, the policy class, the ruling class, whatever you want to call it. Don't want to alienate you with my unambiguous Marxist language. And you, you see this in the, 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 the moments of Me Too where feminism as much as, you know, this is wonderful and this is feminism's moment, et cetera, et cetera, women are saying, well, we need these men to go to jail. There's no question whatsoever about, you know, prison abolitionism as there would have been in the past. It's, a, you know, we need these men to go to jail. These men need to pay. These men need to be imprisoned, which is hashtag problematic, you know. And so there is this view that big daddy state can fix everything. Mm -hmm. And, yes, I know that it's only uh, a recent knowledge and I accept your understanding that uh, we are toddlers in terms of, or at least preschoolers, kindergartners, in, in terms of accepting the changed nature of the world. Mm. But also there is, and I know you've seen this, there is this extraordinary doubling down, despite the fact, for example, that the Mueller investigation has thrown up precisely no evidence of collusion between Trump and, and Russia, no meaningful evidence whatsoever of Russian interference in the US election. Thus far, what do we have? We have business corporate crimes. We have, yeah, we have a $100,000 spend, which may or may not have originated from, from the Kremlin, mm -hmm. on Facebook ads. Have you seen the Facebook ads? They're ridiculous. You can look at a selection of them uh, on, on Esquire and, and other places. So this the spend by Republicans and Democrats comparatively is mm -hmm. overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, you say that that Russia somehow is both such a simple, brutal power, uh, full of idiots and old-fashioned guys, and on the other hand, you know, this devious nation of of geniuses that can somehow mm. leverage one of the world's biggest elections. You don't consider it all that voting machines don't work, mm. that voter suppression has been occurring since the birth of so-called democracy in the US. Mm-hmm. You, you consider none of these things and you just accept that the glorious Hillary Clinton and, and you know, people But all that said, are- Helen, many, many countries, many, many countries have cyber weapons, over 120, and are devising ways and have an interest in how the US election goes and would have been watching, extracting data. The nature of the internet means that it's totally insecure and many countries are swimming around and many militaries and um, intelligence agencies are swimming around in, in that election and in other, other elections. The, the and not point, just Russia, many, many the countries. The point is, you know, though, like there's so little difference between a Trump administration and a Clinton administration. Yeah, I mean, in in content, in style, different. But I'd say in in well, in some content, different as well. But the Washington um, consensus continues. Yes, the the retreat from Syria is a shock. Yes, but all of a sudden, for example, and I, you know, I appreciate your optimism absolutely, and I think those things can change. And I do understand your view that, uh, you know, people are, you know, and myself, we're still sort of coping with this idea of surveillance, yeah, we're athletically bouncing around sometimes in the same hour among those different, yeah. and myself, you know, as someone who understands encryption and teaches it and who cares about resistance to surveillance, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. I'm just yeah. going to say this out loud and, you know, tell the NSA, you, you know, how yeah, I'm feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. by you, texting this person. You, you and yeah. I were born in the same year. We're in 1968 mm-hmm. babies. Um, oh, I was the last day of 67, actually. Oh, well, all right. Yeah. <laughs> say 1968 because it's a groovy year. Mate, I'm on New Year's Eve 1967. Not bad. Born in a heat wave. <laughs> but I noticed with Generation Zs, for example, that one of their reactions to being so-called digital natives mm-hmm. is to enact a form of transparency, you know, a- attempt to obscure nothing in their lives. Not only. Be- I, I felt like that and I, I've talked to quite a few and interviewed them for my, my thesis and there's actually a lot of um, tech pragmatism mm. among very young people and they do a whole lot of stuff offline. They just don't yeah. use the internet for certain parts of their lives and they know how to put, you know, phones in fridges mm. and, and quite often do and they would not dream of organising on Facebook and, uh, and for some things, you know, they would. So mm. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I was catastrophizing, for example, you know, organising against Pine Gap on Facebook. Oh, my God, you idiots. But they weren't only organising on Facebook. They were doing other things in other yeah. ways. So I, I wouldn't, I, I, I don't think it's one thing and, you know, we throw up our hands and say young people don't understand about privacy. Oh, no, um, I think they different. absolutely do. Mm. You know, and I mean, I think that that's a form, like young people are effing bright. Yeah, actually but, quite savvy. No, yeah. no, hugely, hugely. Uh, Zeds in particular um, and your younger millennials, I mean, the most sort of like lavishly overeducated, <laughs> you know, um, uh, group of people uh, in, in, in living history. You know, they have all of this vocational education. Mm. Um, they're underemployed. They're very bright, you know. I mean, they're exceptionally sensitive uh, to forms of bigotry and more and more sensitive to uh, the economic conditions. You know, they, they see with sober senses the, 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 the things that control them. I mean, no, not to disparage them at all. And I think this idea of sort of like taking at least a performance of radical transparency to mm-hmm. your internet use is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Probably what I'd do. Oh, I like them. 
I like their gender non-binary and whatnot. But sometimes the, um, you know, I, I, my transparency is a form of radicalism and I'm showing the state how I want it to behave. You know, actually it's, it's, it's transparency for the state and privacy for the rest of us. Powerful institutions need to be accountable. They take a lot of our money and a lot of our time and a lot of our yeah. data. They need to be accountable. Okay. But we need private spaces in order to make mistakes, experiment, create, all that. It's an enabling right as opposed to a right in itself. It's hard to get excited about the idea of privacy, but you know, the, the idea of privacy to write, think, organise, act, be, um, it's, a, it's an enabling one. Indeed. And, you know, we should start charging them for the theft of our data, you know, yeah. if, they, if we're not going to have privacy. Mm. You know, I'm your commodity. Please, please. That's I'm, coming in. There's this whole consumer data right thing coming in, first in banking, then in telecos, then in energy. And, and uh, yeah, an the, data, development. the data sovereignty uh, yeah. movement uh, among uh, indigeneity um, and particularly with, with Aboriginal people is mm. quite something. Yeah. So you're going to keep fucking scrutinising me, right? Okay, this is my data. You stole my land. You're not going to steal my data, which mm. I think is wonderful. Yeah, I like it. So, yes, I do concede that there are all these different reactions, sometimes in the one person. Mm. But I guess I'm talking about uh, the, the media class mm-hmm. chiefly, which still does inform people mm-hmm. to a degree. And you would know this from trying to argue with everyday people about WikiLeaks and they'll say, uh, Putin puppet, rapist, et cetera, et cetera, mm. and just, Absorb the headlines, absorb the untruths by it was Luke Harding, wasn't it? Oh. oh my gosh, I read his book on Russia. Me too. What you, could, a I nonsense. Could, you could summarize it, and I did on one piece of A4 paper, and it was a terrible book. It was a laughable book. It's funny if it's not so tragic because it, people are reading it and taking it seriously. I genuinely don't think one can believe the, the work of Harding. No. He hasn't got a brilliant track record. No. Speaking of catastrophizing, yeah. my goodness, you know, <laughs> he was booted out of Russia, but his child was allowed to finish the term at school. I mean, really and truly. But will you concede that at least among the media class, ruling class identified people, there is at the moment one of many reactions. We've spoken about this before on knackers, knackers, knackers and the vag, 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 and, you know, you all corrected my pronunciation to no effect of the word anime. It is a time of normlessness. Many different people think many different things. There is no social cohesion as there, are, uh, as there was in other times. And this is not just because of the internet. This is because a whole lot of reasons mm. that people tend to engage in, you know, you could call it almost cult-like behaviour mm. and there's gulfs between us and, you, you know, I mean, at this holy time of the year you may be at your Christmas table and you may find that your father tells you that CO2 emissions are no real problem because, look, it makes all the plants grow. You you might find that there's these huge gulfs between you and other people, so I'm not talking about all people, but I am talking about uh, a certain uh, powerful coterie of people and the view is very much that we must rebuild the institutions upon which we have relied Mm. and we must go back to this golden era of uh, democracy which is, in effect, um, representational. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's done something wrong, well, you know, they've done something wrong and the police never fib, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A story that I believe that I've told before is um, my um, best friend, uh, she went to, she's a brown woman, she went to the memorial for a young woman slain here in Melbourne. She had a personal connection with her 
and she was standing at the tram stop and there was a sort of an uneasy solidarity between her and the other women, primarily white, there. And one woman looked at her and said, don't you feel better with all the police around? And she said, no, I'm brown. I absolutely don't. And they were quite struck. They, they, sh- they shuddered. But there is this view that the police will protect us, mm. um, that the law is not an ass, that, you know, surely you yeah, see faced this. Faced with disruption, yes, people are becoming much more conservative and it's amazing to see actually quite intelligent people say ridiculous things about WikiLeaks but also, you know, hold up signs and, and, and defend the CIA or even NATO, you know, like a Cold War nuclear war fighting alliance is produced and presented as this like absolute no-brainer to support by people we know and love, yeah. right? Um, and, it, you and know, just would the ordinarily other day, be, Yeah, right, would ordinarily be quite critical of certain war criminals or institutions that are absolutely... Absolutely not progressive, but have become, you know, signs of stability that people wish to hold on to at a time of disruption and, and, and you know, people are quite disturbed. But they're not actually looking at the causes of what's disturbing them and they're, they're clinging definitely to, you know, safe ideas of, of security. Well, yeah, this idea that you, you, Mathis, the now resigned or uh, fired or retired, depending whose spin you <laughs> believe, you know, Mad Dog Mathis was his name, <laughs> hand-picked by Trump for his neoconservative, uh, you know, Samuel Huntington S. Prowesses with surges and things, yes. I uh, and so you know, for whatever reason, he's not there. I don't particularly care. And he's become he, a hero overnight. And people to say, the left. you know, people leftists, know. people that I once was close to say, and he was admired on both sides of the aisle. Mm. Can you not remember that you despise both sides of the aisle? <laughs> Even, yes. There, there is no justice in those sorts of things. And anyway, let's get back to let's get back to WikiLeaks. Okay. I'm sorry, but you know, no, this is all very, very. What's um, going on? Related. I, I've had a I've had a uh, mental health break from the internet. What's going on with Julian? Julian's at a crossroads. And um, the situation in the embassy is is changing. Um, the government of Ecuador changed not. It was a new leader from the same party anointed by the former leader, Correa, um, that has seemed to become um, a different government, quite of a different order and flavour. Audacity um, to be called Lenin. Yeah, unbelievable, yes. His name is <laughs> Lenin and he um, has not carried on many of the policies of the previous government of his same party. And he has called in all of the diplomatic people who knew Julian and including the ambassador overnight was just dragged home. A big deal to remove someone's credentials, you know, in a a surprise act because an ambassador is your representative in a country and has many different connections and roles and functions. Um, But that ambassador has been drawn back and a new one is there. The conditions under which Julian is held um, uh, have, have changed radically in the last year. He spent seven months completely and utterly disconnected and offline, unable to communicate or see anybody except lawyers. And he's got some nice lawyers, but gee, you know, like human beings and lawyers are sometimes different. Anyway, so um, he was in, in, held in communicado and then a 30-part condition was placed on his ongoing place in the in the in the embassy and you, you know, and he this. cannot speak he cannot mm. issue an opinion he cannot weigh in uh, at all uh, about anything political so that is a horrendous situation for someone who has opinions and who is a publisher and who's part of history and and 
political developments yes. unfolding. So so it's becoming more and more untenable for him to be in the embassy and the and the effort is to try and drive him out. And so the fear and the tension that he's been living in for such a long time has radically increased at the hands of the people who, surprise, surprise, gave him asylum on the on the basis of protecting speech and on, on the basis it's of protecting just... publishing. So that circumstance inside the walls has changed. Um, outside the walls, what's changed? Well, um, the US... Uh, under Obama, um, basically realised that they couldn't prosecute him, so they just kept him on ice and just made his life difficult but didn't actually, couldn't progress the prosecution. Pompeo has come in and, and has claimed that WikiLeaks is a non-state intelligence service. Mm, a hostile intelligence agency. Yeah, hostile non-state intelligence service, and which it is not. It's the opposite. You know, what do intelligence services do? They collect information and keep it secret. What does WikiLeaks do? It's given information and it makes it public. Very different. So they're trying trying on a new designation and of WikiLeaks. So, it's and so important. It's so important. So many of the – and it may not be fucking important to you, right? You may just think that Julian Assange is the person who somehow denied Hillary Clinton ownership of the world finally after all of those years she'd been plotting. And please don't believe that stuff about her being a down-at-heel lawyer hoping against hope that she could – Help those disabled kitties. That was something for a CV. Read an excellent book on Verso called uh, False Choices About Hillary Clinton and, re and read the real record of her so-called feminism, mm. something that she avoided even saying for years and years and years. If you care so much, don't even read The Pedestra Trove, right? Like just read some accounts of what's in The Pedestra Trove and they are... For posterity, as Flick was saying before, an amazing document that I find quite dizzying sometimes. There's a lot to read, but you find out how power works. Right. And you you find out, you know, when they're prepared to use religion, when they're prepared to exploit different so-called, as, the, as they say in the US, minority groups to give the and, – and, and when they're prepared – you know, just like any other repugnant leader you can think of, of spreading disinformation, of distracting people from the circumstances of their real lives. And you can't have your conspiracy cake and eat it too. Either the Podesta Trove was completely absent of anything that might criminalise uh, Hillary Clinton or the DNC, or it was full of something that changed people's vote which was it perhaps your answer is well it was just the fact that it existed and you know he released it at a, I think you know you me everybody but a bunch of short callers thought that Hillary Clinton would become president yes I I don't think that Assange would have thought any differently no he, he absolutely thought it was it was um, it, it, she was it was absolutely her, her election that she was definitely going to win and you know there is there is I mean, I know that this is the um, this is the release which lost Assange a lot of su support. Mm -hmm. It is also a, a, a release which is fascinating. It's well, it not revealed criminality. You know, like the DNC release, you know, had five high-profile people having to leave their roles in that institution because of the corruption and the misuse of their power. Yeah, and this is this 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 says everything about it. And in in many ways. 
I think that WikiLeaks has inoculated the DNC from ever being able to be corrupt in the same way again. There's no way that that can happen again. So he's actually like helped improve that institution in all kinds of ways. Um, that it's also explained to to Democrats, members of that organization, how it works, and that the nomination process, you know, it was not handled fairly, and possibly next time it won't be able to be munted in quite the same way again. With the collateral murder video, mm-hmm. and again, I know that I'm talking about the the big things, and I want to talk to you shortly about the the little things that have transformed other people's lives, mm-hmm. um, where WikiLeaks releases has have been used by activists and in legal cases before, mm-hmm. and we will talk about that. But I remember some unease because the collateral murder video appeared on Fox News. Yes, of course, you know, a horrible outlet and what have you. But just as I said before, when we're talking about Mathis, when we're talking about John McCain, when we're talking about G.W. Bush or all of these warmongers, these murderers who are suddenly recuperated, you know, their corpses are exhumed and and they've got like, you know, uh, a Me Too hashtag on them or something and people say, oh, they were respected on both sides of the aisle. Again, don't respect either side of the aisle. Why are you respecting either side of the aisle? They've both been revealed in your lifetime to be corrupt, to be self-interested, to be purchased, and all of that palaver. And, you know, the other thing, if you look in the pedestal trove, you will see information that is actually harmful to the Trump campaign as well. So the collateral murder video appears on Fox News, which was a shock to many people because why would you leak this information to to Fox News? Just as I was saying earlier, you know, and we've seen it this year, you know, um, John McCain in death has been rehabilitated. In fact, he enjoyed a good good year or two of <laughs> being some kind of peacenik. Um, uh, also this year, um, you know, uh, G.W. G. Bush, I mean, anybody who is opposed to Trump you you get the you know the enemy of the enemy is my my friend thing i mean this is this is this is ludicrous so both sides of the aisle doesn't matter if somebody's respected on both sides of the aisle both sides of mainstream media are equally repugnant in my view which is why i don't work for it anymore mm. and so there was this view that assange was working with the alt right mm-hmm you know, was working with Bannon, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, could you say that this was in any different way to the way in which he's worked previously, initially, and got burned from what I understand from reading his um, publicly available writings? You know, I mean, he was burned by uh, working with The Guardian and The New York Times. And the releases are for everybody. That's yeah. right. And he wasn't working with Fox and Murdoch. No. I mean, this is this is interesting. Um I was I was in London around the time of him being invited onto Fox News. And there was a, you know, I discussed with him, um, my, my my initial reaction was, God no. And then, you know, we thought about, you know, him going on the, you know, the Sean Hannity inhumanity, profanity insanity show, and decided, you know, that that actually why would you not speak to that audience if you had a chance yeah, to. Of course. And, you know, my only criticism of him in that whole uh, episode was that he did not take my advice, which he sometimes does, but he didn't take my advice to say, and Sean, the truth will set you free. Because I think that there's a great great way of deploying sometimes, uh, you know, like lines out of the Bible to some really serious religious people. Um, and I think that 
you know, the fact that that line is in the Bible is worth using. Anyway, um, I think that it was about appearing on those shows. It was it was an opportunity to speak to an audience that you wouldn't ordinarily have. And uh, he didn't say anything differently to how he would say it on any other outlet. He appeared, as he does in lots of places when he's requested to, to discuss the work of the organisation. And so, um, but that that was completely condemned by people that, you know, and that, that was seen as as collusion with, with Fox when actually it was like any other media request. Mm. And um, he participated, in it, you know, in a, in a calculated way of thinking, let's talk to as many people as we can about this material. Yeah. Now, the fact that Fox suddenly got an appetite to hear from him, that was significant because they were condemning him and they were the ones who were airing all of those, you know, threats to have him assassinated. Um, so you can say that the outlet had a change of heart, um, but that WikiLeaks no. hadn't changed and didn't change the content or manner of its delivery of the same messages that it's giving all over. I don't believe WikiLeaks has changed at all. No, it's 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 doing this. It's the, it's the same theory, the same practice, the same mechanism. You know that it's you know it's about justice and transparency being the method, and that there is an inherent positive that comes out of transparency. Now, um, you know. Has Julian and WikiLeaks made mistakes? Sure. I mean, you know, it's a you know, it's it's an interesting organization that's done a lot of things. Has it ever had to retract a document because it was incorrect? No. It's always published true information. You know, has has Julian said some things online that have made me very, very angry? Yes. Full stop, bold, underlined italic, gothic, 45 point. But has the the function of the organization and its commitment to those principles changed? Actually, no, you're right. It hasn't changed. Now, it got given material and if they hadn't have published that material during the election, that would have been as as damning as publishing it. It was a, it was a situation of having to continue on with the mission of the organisation. It received the information, it published it. Mm. Um, the manner, style, timing, you know, rollout um, was, as is always, a commitment to the, the whistleblower that we'll do our best to get the best publicity for your courage. And so at that time, yes, it was it was done when they received it, when it was possible to release it, it was released. Let's talk about redaction because this okay. is another argument that people use. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that you saw an article that was released on the Australian Broadcasting Corporation's mm. website earlier this year. You may remember the ABC was in possession of a, a trove of, of printed files. That's right. They released very, very few of them. I think less than 20 documents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was um out of hundreds of files. Mm. So nothing even close to 1%. Mm. And some of the information had already been made publicly available. What they decided to do instead was and I quote the more or less roughly the head of ABC investigative was not to do a WikiLeaks. Mm. Now there was this article that was published simultaneously on the ABC and in the Australian newspaper. Yeah, which said everything to me, yeah. Which, remember, of course, you know, what we said about Fox News, though, whether, you know, it's not, it's not so much um, the, the, the medium, but it is the message. McLuhan was wrong, um, or at least he's wrong today. But there was all of this information that was withheld from us. There was footage that the ABC showed of giving these valuable documents back to the people mm. that could handle them best. Easier, yeah. And in this 
sort of watershed article boasting about how the organisation hadn't done a WikiLeaks. And let's remember that WikiLeaks is an organisation with no funding whatsoever. So the, the time to sift through documents and redact them is, I imagine, mm. something of a problem. But in doing this, the ABC gave so much information about the person who had mm. passed the documents on. Mm. And it wouldn't take very much Googling at all. You know, we, we, we learned his gender. Mm-hmm. We learned his location. Mm-hmm. And any one of the uh, 60 or so government agencies that have unrestricted access to metadata could have found out Easily. the identity of this man. It's Easily. like, mm-hmm. how fucking stupid are you? Culpable. So, so, and WikiLeaks never does this. Oh. WikiLeaks protects its source even from itself. Mm-hmm. And this view that it was WikiLeaks who dobbed the heroic Chelsea Manning in is completely untrue, right? Absolutely untrue. And, and it's remarkable to me that anyone could be um, of that. Of, of, you know, many people are of that opinion. Really? Many people are wow. of that opinion. I should, mm. I, I should not alert you I'm to amazed. Mm. Um, another troublesome mi- misapprehension. Now, there are also a lot of accusations made that WikiLeaks doesn't redact. Mm. Glenn Greenwald has been particularly critical about this. As has Snowden, um, there's ways in which that they believe that there could be better redacting. But, you know, it's not that there's no redactions, but it is this kind of inherent faith in the archive and, and, a, and a refusal to be so arrogant as to be able to suppose what the future holds and how, you know, material that's seemingly irrelevant now might become relevant when, you know, somebody gets out of arbitrary detention on Guantanamo Bay and finds a document about their, um, themselves on the, on the website that has been overlooked until now. But, it, like, you don't have to go any further than to look at the Vault 7 uh, release to see unbelievable redactions um, for the sake of the health of the internet, no less. Um, the Vault 7 archive um, is why Mike Pompeo went from uh, actually tweeting love for WikiLeaks to uh, trying to redefine it as a non-state hostile intelligence service because this um, was a release from the CIA's um, cyber weapons mischief departments. And, and of particular interest to you, I imagine, in your uh, your scholarship. Yes. Well, doing exactly. a PhD on surveillance. Yeah, exactly. And so here we, we, we learned, you know, of the different kinds of weapons that have been developed and the kinds of vulnerabilities and holes and what's called zero-day exploits that was available and exploited by the CIA. And so WikiLeaks did a pretty good job of tipping off one by one the corporations involved and explaining to them the nature of the vulnerabilities in their systems without revealing them to the world Mm. so that they could actually be weaponised. And a lot of the communications that are revealed in that release have been meticulously gone through in order to protect and to ensure that weaponizable code and nastiness is not able to be, you know, deployed by other mischievous people, even though the CIA developed it. So I think that it's a bit rich to say there's no redactions. There is a very different policy to redactions um, than than the intercepts used, you know, which is why it took us four years after Snowden's release to find any information about Australia. And we got 12 documents about Pine Gap, uh, you know, last October. Very helpful. But, you know, that's a very long time after the, after the you know, all over by the shouting. The, Another the, criticism, the, the, for the example. The critique is that, you know, um, that there was Saudi documents which um, purportedly released the names of uh, uh, people who engaged in homosexual acts, right? That's been an accusation, but in fact that was that was already available on the internet. Um, 
Yeah, there's been there's been there's a, there's a part on the WikiLeaks website called "Frequently Distorted Facts" um, that has some material mm. about that and also about the accusation about Turkey. There's been a lot of yeah, you know, stories uh, repeated and repeated and have become true. But we have no um, evidence of anybody coming to harm as a result. Now, if you think about right. what happens in everyday press, you know, the press that people would would. Uh, unambiguously called journalism. Mm. Think about the Australian woman Yasmin Abdel Magid, mm. for example. Think about the man we know. He's a man whose you know coordinates were virtually delivered on a platter to mm. ASIO, whichever Australian government department wanted to or or, um, or organisation you know wanted to seek out his identity. Who is this man who's not returning things yeah. to where they belong? There are so many instances of people, myself included, in a minor way, having their lives fucked, significantly fucked, because of the arrogance of media. Mm. A press does mean that people will get screwed. Mm. And the fact that it is used entirely to critique WikiLeaks reminds me of the idea that WikiLeaks has bias. Well, WikiLeaks bias is against power. It's mm-hmm. against um, concentrated power, accumulated wealth, which is another form of power, if not the form of power. Mm. You say that to me and then you you don't look at the editorials in every major news outlet or, or, or every television concern in the world, which are explicitly bigoted. Mm. WikiLeaks, as Flick has said, has been unambiguously opposed to power itself since its beginning in 2006. Unaccountable power, unaccountable power and arbitrary power, yes. It's never said that there's no place and time for secrecy in government and in policy and in decision-making, in diplomacy, in military affairs, that there are ways in which um, secrecy is, you know, is useful and, and legitimate and justified, but whole institutions until the end of time, no, don't get to be secret. Whole budget lines, whole wars, whole, you know, huge lies don't get to maintain that secrecy in an arbitrary mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, so now um, uh, diplomats in their cables uh, <laughs> are supposed to uh, be more circumspect in mm-hmm. their communications. Well, they're not. They're still <laughs> saying the same shit. Look at some of the Haiti releases. True. But also um, I would say that one of the, you know, perverse and negative aspects or reactions to, um, you know, countermeasures that's been taken in response to WikiLeaks is that FOI um, and, you know, diplomatic cables and other government functions now occur at stand-up meetings where nothing's written down so that they can't be released and they can't be FOI'd. This is I the think history that, of power, though. You know, right. I mean, it secretes itself, it conceals itself more and but more. But a big institution can't operate without writing things down and mm. without communicating. So, they do. Yeah, so they do. I don't think they wrote everything down at the Yelter Agreement just yeah. between you and me. <laughs> now, if you could... Mm. Um, you can go to at Flick Rubicon on, on Twitter.com. She did a great stream uh, uh, or thread or whatever you young people call it about different groups of people and sometimes individuals who had used WikiLeaks releases to attain what we might call, and I use this in a non-juridical sense, justice. Mm-hmm. Could you give us a few of those sure. occasions? Look, I was just a little bit concerned that people forgot, you know, the breadth and the the number of institutions and countries that the releases have touched because our attention is drawn to one or two only. And um, I think that, that some of these sort of smaller or less celebrated ones are actually interesting. You know, 
and it's not just American institutions that have been suffering from the uh, the shining light of of. Um, I believe there's one or two Russian documents there. Well, too. there's seven hundred fifty thousand, and um, yeah, that's that's often forgotten. So it was basically this sort of one dimensional puddle depth understanding of what WikiLeaks is and has done that has motivated me to just I just just threaded this together because I was just I was a bit bit cross actually. So someone you know, like you, yeah, I know it is a bit. So I just went through the archive a little bit, and and that, I really encourage people to do that. You know, just anything that you're curious about, punch into the the search engines on the front, and it's amazing. You know, it's of a really WikiLeaks. interesting way to yeah, WikiLeaks.org. It's an interesting way to spend half an hour. I've you know put in meetings that I attended, and then found out all of the diplomatic cables around what happened at that meeting and what was happening in the build up to that meeting and how mm. arms were being twisted at that meeting. Gave me a very 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 different view of what happened at that meeting. Individuals that I know, you chuck in their name and you see what's been written. It's quite an interesting exercise. But you know, for example, you know the Minton report. The Minton report was suppressed by a super injunction in the in the British press and and all over. Uh, but it was a Dutch multinational company, Trifuga, and that had dumped a whole lot of toxic waste in the Ivory Coast, and one hundred eight thousand people were affected. But a super injunction was stopping anybody writing about this thing that had happened in the Ivory Coast. The Ivory Coast is a place. 108,000 people were very negatively affected by a Dutch multinational. Now they know about it and they that they could they could take action. The Ivory Coast isn't as nice as it sounds, by the way. Cote d'Ivoire. Well, yeah, it's it's had its ups and downs. A guy called El Masri, okay, a German citizen, was uh, snatched off the streets and detained and tortured and um, they realised the CIA uh, in 2003 got the wrong guy and so they just dumped him on the streets of Albania, um, with, yeah, a, a German citizen. And, well, he was able to take a case to the European Court of Human Rights because of documents that were on the WikiLeaks website about what had happened to him, which was just completely denied, had fallen through the cracks. But it had become his situation, his experience of torture and det- detention had become true but also actionable because of evidence available on the site. You know, people have been freed from Pakistani prisons based on the cables. Um, the Syria files, you know, very important time. We got this incredible insight uh, two million e- through two million emails. You know, like two million emails is a lot. A lot of people are overwhelmed by the scale and they don't know where to begin when it comes to these things. But we learned a lot about, you know, about 680 Syrian political figures and ministries and companies because of these emails. And, and you know, what better time to actually have some evidence about what the Assad regime is doing and what it's like than when that, those came down the pike. We learned a lot about war and militarism, and this is why I kind of freak out when the peace movement do- doesn't actually, you know, really get excited about what's on WikiLeaks because the nature of militarized masculinity, as well as the nature of militarized corporations, power, you know, we've learned a lot. So we've this got we've got manuals the... for unconventional warfare. We've got manuals for how Australia, the Australian military, will talk on the media. And, Amazing. And this insights. is one of the extraordinary and heartbreaking things. You know, my colleagues who work in media will no longer go to WikiLeaks as a primary source. There's not really a better one. Yeah. They ignore it because they feel that it's tainted, despite the fact that there has not been one retraction published because there's been no need. Right. No, exactly. Speaking of Saudi Arabia, you know, the deal between the Saudis and the UK of money to help the UK campaign to be on the Human Rights Council in exchange for the UK, you know, supporting Saudi Arabia to lead the Human Rights Council. Amazing. Collusion. uh, Exposed. Um, And then we have the Human Rights Council also munted as a result of it. The IAEA, we learn, um, was warned, you know, had warned Japan about how frail and munted the Fukushima reactors were, that is, how close those those reactors were to not being able to withstand a powerful earthquake. Well, 
that's a terrible thing that's happened. That is an ongoing assault on the gene pool of our world, um, the ongoing culpable release of radiation arising from Australian uranium that was in all of the reactors at Fukushima uh, and that is still pouring radiation into the gene pool via the Pacific. Well, the, the Japanese knew how crap those those reactors were beforehand. You know, we learned, and I took this personally because I worked at the UN at the time, which, which we probably shouldn't talk about, Helen, um, that the, um, the United Nations leadership personnel, um, you know, were authorised by the Obama administration to have, you know, fingerprints and retinas and DNA, like biometric data and passwords, you know, that was authorised. They were spying on the UN. Um, that makes me very angry. We've learned so much about these incredibly um, secret trade agreements that actually really changed our world, changed all kinds of um, treaties and labour standards, environment standards. Um, they were being negotiated totally in secret, the TPP, the, T the TTIP and the TISA. Well, people kept trusting WikiLeaks with versions and drafts of that negotiating text. And thank goodness that that happened because a lot of activism and, and, and wise people were able to push back because of it. Um, so much torture and, and, and war uh, crimes in Iraq and Afghanistan have been revealed by WikiLeaks, including, you know, the death count, the, the counting of bodies um, that the, the US were, were, were deliberately um, manipulating so that, you know, 200,000 people's mm. deaths were not visible. There's just, I could just go on and on, the Guantanamo files, the collateral murder, the global intelligence files, learning all about Stratfor and how these shadowy, you know, like, like by retired US military and intelligence personnel, they set up a, they spin up a uh, consultancy and gouge the taxpayer, but also are doing quite a lot of really terrible things. So Stratfor is really one to look at the things that they did to the Bhopal people, you know, Know, their, their, their involvement with Raytheon and Lockheed Martin, unbelievable. Um, the targets of the NSA, you know, the Chinese, you know, like there was a, there was a release that showed uh, how Chinese and Western companies were um, just trying to, you know, using, using corruption to grab uranium out of the Central African Republic. That was another very important um, release. The Central African Republic, not often in our headlines, but actually a place on earth where people exist and WikiLeaks was prepared to, to tell the truth about what was happening, the terrible environmental and consequences. This is what we're fighting mining. for. This is what we're fighting for. If you'd like to go through more of that thread, you can go to at Flick, mm. Flick Rubicon. Yeah, it's just broad and deep and wide. Our this guest is not just the US. <laughs> today is, um, is, is, is Flick Ruby here on Knackers and the Vag. And this is what we're fighting for. Remember, there has been no um, corrections uh, because WikiLeaks has not published incorrect information. Can you explain to me how things are verified or is it too technical for a little lady like me to understand? I actually don't know. Like I, I provide friendship and political support to mm. WikiLeaks. I am not involved in any operational or um, technical ways, so I'm not sure about the means. But I think the, like the verifying that these documents are actually what the whistleblower says they are, I think they probably go through various processes, but it, it would be very difficult to verify every single document, yeah. I'd say. But very few were disputed. But, like, I mean, nobody at any point said that the, um, the, the, the pedestrian trove <laughs> were wrong. That's right. Yeah. And um, you, you can look at that uh, with your, 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 your own face eyes if you, you would like, uh, or as, uh, as Flicky Leak says, you can um, perhaps just try punching something into the search engine. But the fact is these are often unvarnished documents, although they are curated. They're published at a place called wikileaks.org and that is what you may consider fighting for as it 
looks very much as though sometime in the next week, although we have been saying this for some weeks, but sometime within the next week, that Fizgig Assange will be ejected from the embassy. There's been reports on Consortium News, um, a very respectable place established by uh, the, the the wonderful and 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 now late uh, a year ago he suffered a stroke and shortly thereafter died Robert Parry who's known for the Iran Contra scandal and bringing that news to us in the 1980s he was so distressed by what had happened in press that he started Consortium News Consortium News has reported on things like the doors of the Ecuadorian embassy being potentially unlocked on the weekends. Um, there's been intruders reported on the weekends attempting to extricate Julian Assange, who's apparently been um, constructing his own booby traps. There's there's photographs on Consortium News of some very obvious surveillance devices being trained on the embassy. Everything that can be done to push the man out or snatch the man out is being done so he can be apprehended by UK police for an arrest for charges in Sweden in 2010 that no longer exists. Never charges. What the fuck am I saying? There was never charges. (laughs) There was never charges. There was never charges. I'm so sorry. There were never charges. Um, And this is what you're fighting for, really? Have a think. Yeah. I mean, I've spent time in the embassy and it is under like massive surveillance. When we first went there, Scott Ludlam and I, um, the ambassador, we, we greeted the ambassador first and took a painting and to say thank you as Australians for the small country of Ecuador stepping up and doing what our country did not. What was the painting? Um, there was an Aboriginal painting um, that we took her and she, um, from from the area around Muckety where we'd just come from, and uh, she said, well, there's a, there's a surveillance van parked at the front and they can hear our thoughts. I mean, the amount of incredible effort, uh, equipment, people, uh, um, uh, plain clothes now only, there was, you know, uniform police at first and now there is no longer. But an enormous amount of money has been spent to surveil that, in, uh, that place. Um, and everyone who goes in and out is photographed and um, it's very difficult for any movement to occur without it being... Um, known. So yes, he's he's inside that place and there are reports that his um, welcome will be retracted and he will be handed over. Um, there's also been quite a lot of outcry just in the last couple of days. Some um, politicians have been able to visit him. From the Bundestag. The Bundestag and the, and the European Parliament. And, you know, his lawyers are actively, you know, busy there uh, in, and negotiating behind the scenes, I don't doubt, with, uh, with, the, um, with the UK and with the US. Um, the UN has just come out in the last week reiterating its call for him to be uh, released and, and unmolested, uh, able to to go on with his publishing work and indeed to be compensated for the arbitrary detention that he's sustained. I do remain um, hopeful that things could turn. Things look very, very grim. They look very, very grim indeed. Um, and I think that um, now we know because of a ridiculous bungle that uh, there are um, sealed mm. charges and the Americans DOJ. do, ch- you know, yeah, like this silly judge, you know, accidentally uh, copied pasted some text into a different case altogether file, um, you know, material about Assange and the charges that exist in the US and their determination to get him and to arrest him before he even learns of the charges. So, um, yeah. 
I think that he's in a very, um, you know, unenviable and terrible situation and that there's a lot of factors afoot Mm -hmm. that might mean that it could resolve. Um, It should have resolved so long ago. Like the Swedish situation, it took five years for them to come and interview him and once they did, the the whole investigation evaporated because there was no, you know, incident really to to deal with. Um, So too with this, it could be that they just, there is no grounds. Like the guy didn't collude with Russia. The guy has not got anything to pass over to the Americans. They, you know, the work of the organisations embarrassed the Americans, certainly, but embarrassed a lot of countries and a lot of institutions mm. um, with the truth of their uh, wrongdoing. So, you know, to, to, to prosecute a publisher for publishing is looking increasingly um, awkward and the fact that there, there has been this Well, I understand sort of that uh, organisations like the New York Times and the Washington Post on the QT mm. don't want Assange uh, charged. They right. don't want him tried right. for publishing because so while- it would set an extraordinary precedent for their right exactly. to publish. And while power has hesitated... There has been hope that we're we're in we're in a flux of power, mm. um, but it has not yet come down. There is there's with, great and noble passion hasn't. unleashed for, for example, there was a, a a film which I believe won an Oscar or two called The Post last year, mm. about Catherine Graham and her commitment to covering the the Pentagon Papers mm-hmm. back in 1970. Courageous publishing. Uh, yeah. And uh, in Australia, when Peter Grestar, an Australian journalist, was... Is he a journalist? Go on. <laughs> Sorry. He's a television journalist. Oh, he's a shocker. Go on. <laughs> anyway, when this bloke was, after the unfortunately failed Arab Spring, was incarcerated on charges of false news... Mm-hmm. And we all campaigned for his release. I was one of them. I, I, I was very involved too. in campaigning you know, for his release. Journalism is not a crime. Right. Is Peter Grester a journalist? I don't know. He's a terrible journalist if you ask me. But, you know, since doesn't matter. Out, but that doesn't matter. Exactly. But, but also doesn't let's, matter. let's I mean, just I mean, add, I wish that ABC would realise that just being arbitrarily detained doesn't suddenly make one a great journalist and please stop giving him great, you know. And, I mean, what does, what does matter is the conditions that surrounded mm-hmm. his his. Grester's charge in incarceration. Mm-hmm. You might remember after El Sisi. Now we're all up in arms about you know Trump not being as vile to El Sisi as he could when El Sisi overtook Egypt, or however you wish to remember history. Obama proclaimed this as Egypt's road to democracy. Mm-hmm. This was something at the time that was widely acknowledged in the West as acceptable. Now, apparently, it's not acceptable. But the West created the conditions for Grester to be thrown in the big house. Mm -hmm. And we all said journalism was not a crime. Okay, so we've agreed not to use the word journalism. Publishing is not a crime. Making power just a little bit more accountable even if that just underscores what you feel you already know to be true, it's so important. And if the thought of a weirdo like me getting himself into a huge amount of trouble and being separated from his pussycat Bruce, Bruce is okay, I understand. Bruce is fine. Bruce Bruce is is Bruce is free. Uh, Bruce is being well looked after. Yes, but not in the embassy. Bruce is no longer in the embassy. Bruce is is, is Bruce is has a, a caregiver. Yes. Okay. But Bruce was having a pretty fun time in the embassy too. But you know, Julian felt that it needed to be 
you know, in a more healthy environment as he should also be. So anticipating his potential change of circumstances, Bruce has now been um, is in the care of someone else. So, so even if the thought of a weirdo like me being detained uh, and in the view of the United Nations arbitrarily so, if that doesn't move your heart, perhaps the idea of publishing does. Think about how you thought about Peter Grester. Think about how you think about the courage of journalists to get to the truth. And think about truth and how you know it in any particular context. And think at its basis that the things that we've seen published on WikiLeaks are in fact true. They're not contested. And think about bias and think about you accusing, if you have, perhaps you haven't, WikiLeaks of being unnecessarily biased. I don't agree with you. I think, as Flick has said very eloquently today here with us, their wheelhouse is looking at lawless parts of power as it exists. Mm. So, look, I reckon she's done a good job. <laughs> I'll uh, not continue this ludicrous, desultory, unsteady rant when you're probably already dealing conceivably with some difficult Christmas dinner. If you're not, good luck to you. Thank you so much. How will you spend the next few days? I will hang out with my mother, who is uh, a little bit sick here in Melbourne, um, my hometown, and then I will bugger off back to the bush where I belong and continue writing my thesis about WikiLeaks and about what we're going to do about mass surveillance. You've been listening to Knackers in the Vag. You can go to my Patreon page or whatever. You know, girl's not earning as much money as she did. Now she'd become all foolishly pro-WikiLeaks. Young journalists, don't do it or do. See you later. See you later, Fleet. Thank you so much. Thanks, Helen. You've been listening to Knackers and the Vag.